Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Well, good morning. Happy Easter, everybody. We're going to try this a few times today. I say, Christ is risen. And you say, he's risen indeed. Okay, we'll try it again. Christ is risen. There you go. Not everyone comes from a church background that knows that, so that's why we're practicing. It's okay, you know. There's, there's grace for that. Um, anyways, uh, if you're new here, my name is Liz, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life. I did just want to give a, a thank you if you were involved in reflections on Good Friday. You know, if you came through or you helped set up or you helped tear it down, which was a ton of work. Um, thank you, guys. You know, we had 85 people come through Reflections on Friday. That's huge. And um, we just love providing that for our community, for our congregation, for family and friends, and anybody uh, that just, like, experiences that for the first time. Um, so I'm excited for these next two weeks. Next week, there's going to be a little portion of our service that we'll do in, in kind of a closing thanksgiving for what God has done here in this place and what you have received from being here in this place. You know, kind of a closing, opening ceremony kind of thing um, where we're going to kind of close our time here and then in two Sundays we're going to open our time and dedicate the new place and have a grand opening. So. You don't want to miss kind of our, our story and the transition of what God is doing in our church. It's exciting. But today, we are gathered to celebrate the most significant miracle that has happened for us, and that is the resurrection of Jesus. Today, Christ is risen. Yeah. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ today, but we also celebrate our own new life in Christ, that we get to rise with him and be united with him. You know, the past uh, few weeks we've been in this series um, about miracles and miracles that Jesus has done in his life. And Dan defined a miracle like this. God intervening in people's lives to bring about extraordinary life-altering events. And today is one of those extraordinary life-altering events. The miraculous resurrection of Jesus broke the power of sin and death forever. And new life and new hope is our inheritance today because of Jesus. Now, the beloved disciple, John, he wrote one of the gospel accounts, the book of John, and we're going to kind of look through his account this morning when we talk about the Easter story. And he summarizes the reason for him writing down all these miracles that God did, or that Jesus did in his, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, and he says this about why he wrote his gospel. He said, these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. And those words 
written over 2,000 years ago, are still true today. That the reason we gather is to be strengthened in our faith that Jesus is the Messiah. And he's our Messiah. And we gather to be refreshed in our belief that we receive life by the power of his name. And if you are new to faith or you're still asking questions about Jesus, or you've been a follower of Jesus for a long, long time, today is for you. There's a place for you in this story today. So we're going to tether ourselves to the cross and to the resurrection because it truly is the crescendo of our faith. Now, has anyone seen the original um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great movie. I, I think it's better than the new version. We watched the new, we watched the new version with our family, and it was a little difficult to get through. I was like, Johnny Depp is just a little, little out there. Um, and I really want to show them the original version because I think that's where it's at. But uh, the concept of um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is that there's these group of children from around the world that end up finding the golden ticket that's wrapped up in a chocolate bar, right, that Willy Wonka has distributed around the world. There's like five of them, I think. And they found the golden ticket. And it means that they get an inside uh, tour of his special magical chocolate factory, right? And <clears throat> there's this scene um, in the original movie where he's showing people um, the different machines and different candy, you know, throwing in coat jackets and stirring up the magical candy. And it's and then there's this family member that accidentally hits one of the machines. And he's like, oh, no, 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 don't touch that one. That's my top secret machine. And he's like, but do you want to see what it does? And so everyone's like, yes, yes, you know. And so he pushes a button and it goes, you know, it honks, it beeps, it whistles, it does all these uh, crazy things. And then the conveyor belt starts moving. And on the conveyor belt is unveiled the everlasting gobstopper, right? You all know what that one looks like? It reminds me of like an inside out Rubik's Cube or something, like it's colorful. And uh, I have a picture of it here, okay? And this is a candy that lasts forever and ever. And Mr. Wonka says that it was intended for children with very little pocket money. Isn't that interesting? So it changes colors, it changes flavors in your mouth, but it never gets smaller and it never disappears. Now, I don't think that that would be um, too comfortable to suck on. <laughs> it's like kind of spiky, kind of awkward. But when I was a kid, I, I just thought that would be the most amazing thing, to have a piece of candy that always lasted, right? You never had to buy new candy. It just lasted forever and ever. Here's the amazing miracle about Easter. It's a miracle that lasts forever and ever. It never gets smaller and it never disappears. In fact, the miracle of Easter might change flavor and it might change color in your life as 
New life gets worked into every area of your soul and existence. But the thing about resurrection life is that there's a deposit of eternal life that we enter into right now and experience. We have eternal life secured through Jesus, but we get a deposit of that life, a deep well of life-giving power gets put inside of us. And we get to experience the life of Jesus that sin and death and brokenness cannot overcome. And we get claimed as his own, his dearly beloved children. The miracle of Easter is that it's a miracle that multiplies in our life. It keeps on going. It's a miracle that says all things can rise to new life because of Jesus. Amen? Because before the cross, before Jesus defeated death, the only outcome for us was death. But Jesus after he died on the cross, quite literally goes to hell and back and takes a hold of the keys. And this is what Revelation says. I am the living one. Jesus is saying this. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. He has made it possible for all things to rise. He's triumphed over the enemy of our souls, Satan himself. Death does not hold us. Sin does not hold us. Brokenness does not hold us. Circumstances do not hold us. No power can come against us when we are in Christ Jesus. We're welcomed into full, everlasting life with Jesus. Now, we're going to walk through the story of Easter a little bit, and I'm going to take us through what John's account is in John 20. I'm just going to talk it through. So this is what happens. Over 2,000 years ago, before the sun even breaks through the darkness of night, a woman goes to visit Jesus' tomb where he is buried. And when she arrives... The stone is rolled away. And this is not any stone. This is a very, very large stone that weighs probably about 2,000 pounds, okay? So for it to be rolled away isn't just like, boop, I kicked this rock away. It's a huge stone that is in a divot that gets rolled, you know, across the tomb so it's secure to not fall over in this, um, in this path in this groove, and it would take several very strong men to unroll it. It definitely cannot be unrolled from the inside. So for it to be rolled away is a pretty deliberate act. And when she gets there, she immediately thinks his body has been stolen. It's been taken. Now this woman was also one of the last people at the cross watching Jesus die, his body beaten, his body abused, his body uh, pierced. And what now? 
Why would someone steal his body? So she runs. She runs back to the disciples, and she finds um, Peter and John, and she yells, they've taken his body. He's gone. They took Jesus' body, and we don't know where they put it. And now Peter and John, they start to panic, and they start running with her toward the empty grave. But John points out that he got there first, okay? Because um, if you're an athletic runner like myself who's going to run a marathon next Saturday, you want to know that you had victory over that race, right? So John points out that he got there first. But it serves another purpose, okay? It authenticates his gospel, right? Because little details like that, no one that is faking a gospel account is going to put in those, those details of real life lived story that, hey, I, I won that race, actually. I got to the empty tomb before Peter. So, so John gets there first, and he peers into the tomb, and he sees that there's linen cloth lying there on, on the tomb. And when Peter finally arrives, maybe a little out of breath, right? Because he's not as athletic as John. <sighs> he decides, I want to go into the tomb and see more. Now, <clears throat> do you remember a couple weeks ago when we had those bad storms, right? Did any of you go into your basement during the, <laughs> tornado, the tornado warnings, I should say? Okay, so we were watching a family movie and our phones start going off. And so we pause the family movie. Everyone's going down, not to the basement, friends, to our crawl space. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but if you had a basement, that would have been a lot easier. You could just walk down to the basement. You could start the movie again down at the basement. You know, the kids would have no idea. It would just be a seamless transition. No. I us going to our crawl space is a commitment, okay? Um, <clears throat> you have to take off this step uh, that, that lays on top of it where you go from the, the house to the garage. So you have to take off this step, and then there's like this hole that we jump down into. And um, it, it's small, right? It's, it's a crawl space for a reason because you are crawling. But I don't want to crawl on my knees, right? So you kind of do this chicken squat thing, you know? And then I banged my head, of course, because I didn't see the, you know, the ceiling that's right there. And I just think, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this past my prime, you know? It's hard work to get in the crawl space. Um, it's a commitment to go down there. But we went down there, and we weathered the storm down in this crawl space. Now, I imagine that for Peter to go into the crawl into the tomb is like me going into the crawl space because a wealthy person's tomb meaning like the top of the line tomb is going to be um, three feet high by two feet wide so you're not just walking into this tomb right you are crouching down and doing the little chicken squat thing to get into the tomb and a wealthy person, Joseph of Arimathea, purchased a tomb for Jesus because he had no tomb after he died. So this man, Joseph, purchased this wealthy tomb for Jesus to be buried in. So he has this small opening, and Peter commits 
And he crouches down and he goes into the tomb and he sees the linen lying there, but he also sees the linen that was around Jesus' face and it was folded up, laying separately from the other linen. And then John, he's like, okay, I got to make this commitment too. And so he crouches down, does the squat walk and goes into the tomb. And he sees the same evidence as Peter. And I can imagine that as they stand there looking at this evidence, that like this rush of faith and bewilderment just kind of like like butterflies start to rise up in them. And they wonder like, could this really be true? Like none of what Jesus said really made sense to us before this moment where he talked about his death and his resurrection, but now, could it be? And in that questioning and in that wondering of their burning hearts, they they go back home to the rest of the disciples. But the woman who had gotten there before sunrise, Mary Magdalene, she was still stuck in her grief, and she was there at the tomb weeping. And she decides to go into the tomb And as she goes in, she is stopped in shock because she sees an angel at the foot and at the head sitting where Jesus Jesus would have been lying. And they speak to her while she is crying, and they say, why are you crying? And she mutters, like, they've taken my Lord. I'm crying because they've taken my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. And then she turns to leave, and she sees someone who asks her the same question. Dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And she thinks it's just the gardener, and so she pushes him a little bit and says, please tell me if you have taken his body. Tell me where you've put him. I will go get him. You see, she doesn't recognize Jesus's physical resurrected body, but she's about to recognize him by his voice because him saying her name is a familiar relational tie that they have, right? So Jesus says, Mary, and she immediately turns and says, teacher, and she grabs him and embraces him. Oh, what relief, what joy he is here. See, Mary Magdalene has become a devoted disciple of Jesus. She even traveled with him and the rest of the 12 disciples during some of his ministry ventures. She even um, supports Jesus and the 12 disciples with her own financial means. She is loyal. She loves Jesus. Some think that She could have been a a wealthy businesswoman. She was a single lady who was um, from a very well-resourced fishing community. So she had had financial means to support herself and Jesus and the disciples. But here's the thing. She was tormented inside. She had demons inside. She had seven of them, to be precise. And Jesus healed her, and she became a devoted, loyal follower 
of Jesus. And she was one of them that stayed to the very end of of Jesus' death on the cross. And she is one of the first here at the tomb early in the morning. And Jesus lovingly tells her in this encounter, Mary, I must go back to my father. Your father, your heavenly father, I must go back to him. But I'm giving you a special job. Go and tell. Go and tell the rest of them what you have seen. Jesus is risen. He's alive. Christ is risen. Oh, good job, guys. Today we celebrate this miracle of Jesus' body being unleashed in love on the earth today. Death attempted to swallow him up, to take him into the tomb, this giver of life. But he transformed the tomb into this womb that births new life for you and for me. And Jesus' resurrection life is at work in all of us who say yes to following Jesus. We receive the miracle of being changed into the likeness of Jesus. We become a new creation, receiving the miraculous resurrection life. This is what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. There's a place for everyone in this story today. And I'm just going to remind you of some of the people surrounding this story as we close. There's Jesus' mother, also named Mary, who's at the cross. Her heart pierced, right, watching her son die this horrific death. And at the cross, Jesus is on the cross, and he tells his disciple, John, take Mary in to your home and care for her as your own mother. Because today, those of us with broken family relationships, we receive a spiritual family in Jesus. Then there's the criminal. There's actually two criminals one hanging to Jesus' right and one hanging to his left. And one of the criminals is hurling insults at Jesus, berating him. And the other criminal condemns this criminal for that, uh, for those insults. And he says, don't you fear God? Because he fears God and Jesus who is dying next to him. And then he He asks Jesus, would you remember me in your kingdom? And Jesus says, you'll be with me in paradise. See, for those of us who have screwed up, we find lavish grace in Jesus. And then there is Mary, Mary Magdalene, the one who seems self-sufficient on the outside, right? She has enough means to get through life on her own. But she's not free. She's tormented and suffering on the inside. But Jesus heals and restores her, frees her from the demons. And now she is one of the first 
female disciples braving her patriarchal society that says women don't have a voice and they can't follow a rabbi like Jesus. Today, those who are marginalized find belonging in Jesus. And then there's Peter, the slow-running disciple, who just before Jesus' death betrays him three times. Says that he doesn't even know him. Now, Peter had just sworn to Jesus earlier that he would do anything for Jesus. Jesus, I'll even die for you, he says. And now he finds himself a hypocrite in, in deep despair for what he's done. Those of us who have betrayed others or been betrayed find restoration in Jesus today. Then there's Joseph of Arimathea who purchased Jesus's tomb. Right after he died, he purchased Jesus's tomb and, and, and he was a secret disciple of Jesus because he was fearful of the re religious leaders would come after him, probably kill him. <clears throat> and Nicodemus, Joseph and Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a person who came to Jesus at night and asked all of his questions to Jesus and left the encounter with Jesus not, with not all of his, his questions answered. But we find Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus are the ones who lavish, lavishly prepare the oil and the spices and wrap Jesus' body, prepare him for burial, and bury him. These two unlikely people who have doubts <clears throat> and their questions not completely answered, those of us who have doubts today are welcomed close to Jesus. And finally, there's, there's Thomas, the disciple Thomas. When Jesus... Um, is resurrected and he appears to the disciples. Thomas is the one who needs more evidence. He's like, man, I need to see it. I need to see those scars on your hands and your feet if I'm really going to believe that you are the resurrected Christ. Those of us who question find safety in relationship with Jesus today. Okay, you remember the everlasting gobstopper? I wish I had some to give out to you, you know. They have the fake ones at, like, Walmart, you know. They're more like jawbreakers, really. But the, the thing that I found most fascinating that I forgot is that Mr. Wonka intended it, for to, it to be for those who had little money, right? Friends, the gospel of Jesus is for those of us who have little because we enter into new life through surrender. And long ago, the prophet Isaiah, he tells this about the gospel and about the spiritual blessings that we can receive. He says this, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. 
Listen, and you will find life. I will make you an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. God's compassion and love are available to all. Everyone is invited to eat and feast on the promised spiritual blessings. Don't waste your life on things that are dead ends for your soul. Come and partake of all the things that Jesus has for you today. What's keeping you from rising with Christ today? Is there a stone in front of your grave that it's time for Jesus to roll away? Because the best thing about today is that it's a miracle that says all things can rise to new life. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Welcome Jesus today to lift anything from your life that is holding you down. Make a commitment to say, I'm going to let go of anything that my soul is tethered to that's not the love of Jesus. And I want to invite you back to our, our series on Empowered, where we're looking at living out this new life with Christ. Jesus says, hey, it's better that I go to the Father because I can send you the Spirit, and the Spirit inside of you produces this type of life. And we're going to be talking about that. So I want to in, invite the band back up. <clears throat> and we're going to pray together. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you that you defeated death today. And by your love, we can be made right with you and with others. Jesus, we give you our life today. And while our, our, our heads are still bowed and our eyes are still closed, I just want to give anybody an opportunity that has not said yes to Jesus to say yes to Jesus right now by just praying a simple prayer with me and even if you feel like, man, I don't have it all together, that's okay. You don't have to have it all together. The, the only thing you have to have is surrender. You get to come and buy with, without any money. So if you want to give your life to Jesus and say yes to Jesus, you can just pray this prayer with me in your heart. And it's between you, me, and God because everybody's eyes are closed. You just pray it to yourself. Jesus, come into my life. I'm in need of a Savior. I ask you to wash me and cleanse me and make me new. I believe you died for my sins and that you rose again from the dead. And you fill me with new life by your Spirit. I now make you the Lord of my life. Amen.
you prayed that prayer today, come and tell me or tell somebody else. Holy Spirit, come as we worship you and as we celebrate the life you've given us by the power of your name. Amen. Let's worship. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org. Oh, hey, you're still here. You're like one of my favorite people. The kind of person that like sticks around after church while everybody else has left. Like you're still one of the last ones talking. You're like the podcast version of that person. And while I have you here, uh, if you didn't know, this is Pastor Dan. Uh, while I have you here, I just want to say, hey, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to come to life if you're in the central Illinois area. If you're listening to this outside of central Illinois, go find a vineyard church. Vineyard churches are amazing places. Go find one near you. And if you're not near a vineyard church, then uh, just find a church, a community of believers that you can be involved with, be in community with. I think we are our best spiritual selves when we are in community with other people who are following Jesus. That's what the church is for. So we hope to see you here. And if not here, go find a community of believers that you can get involved with this week. All right. Thanks for listening. See you later.